And let's praise Jesus before you have a seat. can have a seat. And thank you so much, Michael Gonzalez and, and worship team. That was incredible. So uh, we have a guest today, uh, Joey. And um, he texted me yesterday and said that he and a couple of his buddies had made it into Fort Worth. And I said, well, I, uh, I'm in your side of Texas. Uh, Joey's from Galveston. And uh, so I was down south, southeast in Beaumont, officiating a wedding. And it was a beautiful outdoor wedding and the most beautiful, uh, surreal environment. Um, however, it was raining cats and dogs all day. And uh, so the wedding was at six and it's, you know, we're, we're still trying to, trying to hold off and let the rain pass because the bride really wanted to, to, to go about the outdoor wedding. There was a place to have it inside, but she really wanted to have it outside. So somebody asked me, they said, uh, so are you, are, are you the preacher? And I said, yeah. And they said, well then, why don't you pray that the rain stops? <laughs> so actually I did, but, but ultimately this isn't my call, this isn't my decision. I mean, we've, we've got to leave this up to God. We've seen God stop the rain before, but you know, eventually the rain did stop. And it was uh, just a perfect environment, and so the bride and groom uh, came forward, there was a big wedding party, and so I, I started the wedding out like this. I said, um, I said, Andrew, Jordan, I want you to remember for the rest of your lives on July 22nd, 2017, it rained. And every single July 22nd for the rest of your lives, remember that it rained. Because rain cleanses things. Rain makes everything fresh. Rain causes new life to grow. And ultimately, rain is a picture of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said in John chapter 7, verse 37, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And then I said, the Psalms tell us that we all live in a dry and weary land where there is no water and our soul thirsts for God and God alone. And there's going to be times that you're struggling, but what your heart is really thirsting for is Christ. There's going to be times that the enemy tries to pull you apart, but what your heart is really thirsting for is Christ. And your greatest responsibility is to seek Christ so passionately that you quench your soul on the living water, and that's Jesus Christ. And so it is with us. I don't know all of your backstory. I know it's got some discouragement. I know it has mistakes. I know it has failure. I know it has disappointment. I know it has sin. I know it has separation from God because that's everybody's back story. But I also know this. What your soul is really thirsting for is the living water, Jesus Christ, because he alone can quench your heart and make all things new and cause new and fresh life to grow. So this is an awesome Sunday that you're at Hope Works. Joey Mollis is going to share his story in a moment, but it's also an awesome Sunday to be here because um, we're starting a series. 
And we're starting a series in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs was written mostly by Solomon. It's commonly called the book of wisdom. It's right in the heart of the Old Testament, in the section called the wisdom books or the poetic books. There's the Pentateuch, then the historical books, and then there's the poetic books or the wisdom books. And we're right there in the book of Proverbs, and we're starting a series because I got so sick. I mean, literally sick in my heart and literally sickened in my stomach. It's seeing people self-destruct, self-detonate their own lives because they're walking in foolishness as opposed to wisdom. And my heart just sank because I got so sick of seeing non-Christians, non-believers live life with more momentum and blessing and favor because they're walking in wisdom. And I see so many Christians who are walking in foolishness. Now. I invite trials, and I welcome trials, and I welcome heartbreak, and I welcome, I welcome sorrows, and I welcome suffering as a result of following Jesus Christ in a culture that's hostile to Christ. But I would like to see the followers of Jesus Christ grow in wisdom so that we're on a highway of wisdom where God's blessings and His watch care and His favor are promised rather than uh, get sidetracked off of the highway and be derailed in a ditch where God doesn't promise His watch care and favor and blessings, but He does promise sorrow. This morning we're talking about the highway of righteousness the highway of wisdom, but we're also talking about if perhaps you've been ditched, if perhaps you've been in the gutter, and perhaps you think, well, maybe my life isn't destined to be on the highway of momentum, and perhaps my life is destined to be uh, side-railed and detoured and detracted. Let me just read to you in Proverbs chapter 1, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20. If you have your Bibles, open it. It's in the very middle of the Bible. If you don't have a Bible, take that one around you, home with you, that is yours. Proverbs chapter 1, and we'll begin in verse 20, and we'll begin with the invitation of wisdom. Wisdom, verse 20, wisdom cries aloud in the street, in the market she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy street she cries out, at the entrance of the city gate she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing? And fools hate knowledge. If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my wisdom to you. I will make my words known to you. But because I have called you and you've refused to listen, I have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded, because you've ignored all my counsel and would have none of, none of my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity and will mock as terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish comes upon you, then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Would they have none of my counsel, and they despised all of my reproof? Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way." In this particular section of Scripture, in Proverbs, wisdom is referred to as a person. In other words, wisdom is personified. When wisdom speaks, God speaks. The voice of wisdom is the voice of God. The authority of wisdom is the authority of God. The warning of wisdom is the warning of God. If we neglect wisdom, 
we neglect God. But the invitation of wisdom is the cry of God. And the promises of wisdom are the promises of God. And if we honor and esteem wisdom, we honor and esteem God. And the fruit of wisdom's blessing is the blessing of God. And look at verse uh, 20. We see that wisdom issues an invitation to the whole world. Sometimes people think, well, the, the, the... A life of wisdom, a life of spiritual momentum, a life of divine favor is for them, but not for me, because my life is destined just to continually be be, be sidetracked and derailed and ditched and out of gas and out of steam and crashed. But look at verse 20. Wisdom cries aloud to the street. This is a public invitation in the markets. Wisdom raises her voice. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gate, she speaks. How long, O simple ones? Who is a simple one? A simple one is somebody who's open to anything. Sure, I'll do it. Yeah, that's great. I'll try that. Why not? I'll try that. A simple one is somebody who presses full steam ahead without thought of what tomorrow may bring, without thought of consequences. A simple one is somebody who's devoid of prudence. They never give thought to the matter that there will be consequences to pay one day. There will be death to face one day. There will be judgment to face one day. There is a hell to shun. There is a heaven to gain. They simply move forward in their instincts. How long, those simple ones, will you be simple? Will you love being simple? How long, those scoffers? What is a scoffer? A scoffer is somebody who ridicules and makes fun of and mocks holy things. They are not a sinner because they are a scoffer. They are a scoffer because they are a sinner. Somebody who has the audacity to make fun of and ridicule and mock holy things is first and foremost a sinner. In other words, if we persist in loving the things that we ought to hate, If we persist in desiring the things we ought to shun, it's just a matter of time before we hate the things that we ought to love, and we become a scoffer. And see the progression from being simple to being a scoffer to being a fool and completely devoid of knowledge. However, verse 23 says, If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you, and I will make my words known. And you see, here's the thing. Wisdom is not about a piece of information. Okay, I've got this knowledge. Now, is information involved? Certainly can be. Is knowledge involved? It certainly can be. We must be in pursuit of of knowledge, the knowledge of God. But wisdom is not as much a state of mind as it is a condition of our heart. The Bible tells us in Proverbs that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the Bible defines the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. 
So wisdom isn't about accumulating knowledge. Wisdom is about a heart that loves the highway of righteousness because this is the path that's blessed. This is the path that honors God. This is the path that leaves a godly legacy. This is the path that pleases God and glorifies God in my life. This is the path that God protects. And wisdom is being literally afraid of getting off of that path because that path is not protected. That path is not blessed. So... We're starting a series through the book of Proverbs on wisdom. And as we walk through this series, I want to challenge you starting today to read one proverb a day. Proverbs chapter 1. Tomorrow, Proverbs chapter 2. Next Sunday, we will have read Proverbs chapter 7. And let's just continue reading through the Proverbs. And as we read through the Proverbs, pray, oh God, give me a heart of wisdom. I posted this morning about Joey being here. And I had a, a picture of, of Joey um, uh, overseas in the Marines and in a combat zone. And, and I said, if you think your life is too lost, if you think your heart is too far gone, if you think you're a lost cause... If you think that you can't live a life starting today on the highway of wisdom, please come hear Joey's story. And so Joey's going to share how, how he wound up in the ditch and how he wound up on the highway of righteousness. And it's all about Jesus. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to watch a video that gives us some background into Joey's life. And right after the video, uh, just give a big warm welcome to Joey. So let me pray. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that your Holy Spirit of wisdom and righteousness would invade every heart and change every life starting today. To you be the glory. Amen. Let's welcome Joey. Well, that's my wife, Lauren Molas. My name is Joseph Molas. Thanks for having me today. Um... My wife hates that picture, and that's funny. It gets stuck right there because she's pregnant with my three-year-old. She's like, I was fat in that picture. Now I'm going to tell her I got stuck in that picture on the screen. <laughs> she's really going to think that's awesome. But um, so my story begins when I was a child. You know, I was uh, raised by my stepdad and my mom. Um, my dad was a heroin addict. He never was there. I've always wanted to hang around with him, and, and I chased chased him to, to spend time with him, but he just left me on the porch. He never really picked me up, come see me. So, uh, man, I just wanted to be loved, you know, and I never know what love was because my, my stepfather and my mom loved me, but I wanted the love from my father, and I just never had it. So um, I was chasing how to be a man, and all through high school, I, I did drugs. You know, I was born and raised in Galveston. I did what the cool kids did back then was, was do drugs, and uh, my, my, my group did. They did drugs and took pills and had unprotected sex, and so that's what I took part in, and I was lost, you know, I, I was lost. I graduated high school, barely graduated high school, and um, when 9-11 happened, this was in 2003 I graduated, 9-11 happened, and I decided, you know what, I want to go and, and, and fight, you know. I'm not doing nothing here in Galveston. School's not for me. Um, I'm not going to go to college. So I'm going to go to the Marine Corps, you know. Why not be the best of the best and go to the Marine Corps, you know. Anybody can go to the Army. But only the best go to the Marines, right? 
So I said, I'm going to the Marines. So I graduated, and about a week later, I left to the Marines. I knew I had to get out of Galveston and, and do something with my life where I was going to stick around and do nothing. So I went to the Marines, and in 2005, um, before that, I went to about 16 different countries before 2005, from 2003 to 2005. And then in 2005, I worked up and I went to Iraq. Uh, Iraq, I served there for uh, nine months, and I was a combat engineer. I did explosives, uh, C4, TNT, dynamite. We did landmine warfare. We did a lot with IEDs, improvised explosive devices. And um, all this time, I'm not a believer. My parents aren't believers. They go to church every other Christmas, but that's that's about it. Um, So I have no hope in Jesus Christ at all. You know, I'm just living for myself. So I was a combat engineer in Iraq in um, 2005, and we're returning from a mission, and I get blown up. And I look to the side, and my, one of my guys, his, his head is just hanging like this from a string because he's talking on the mic, and I realize he's uh, either dead or unconscious. So I get out of the vehicle. I put up security. We get him flown out to Baghdad. He ended up coming to us, and uh, coming back to us, he just got knocked out unconscious and got a real bad brain injury. And um, so I went all through that tour, and I survived. I came back to the States, and then I... Um, met my wife, Lauren Molas, and then a couple months later, we get married, and I get I'll go back to Iraq. I re-enlist and go back to Iraq, and on the 23rd day, we're driving through Fallujah, and uh, we get in a firefight. We get out of the firefight. We find an idea, improvised explosive device. We get blown up. Um, instantly, my, my world changed. I mean, that was it for me. Um, two guys sitting right behind me died. Uh, Jonathan and Dale, they they died. Uh, I came out of the accident with a brain injury. I spent 30 days inpatient. Uh, I forgot my wife's name. Um, I relearned math. I stuttered. I couldn't walk straight. When I when I walked, I walked on the right side of the, the the hallway and I hugged the wall. I couldn't go up and down steps, you know. And I just stuttered real bad and I forgot words and and um, it was terrible, but. Shortly after that, I got out. I got out of the Marine Corps. My wife stuck by my side the whole time, you know, and she was in the hospital bed right next to me. She quit her job. She's a CPA here in Houston. or in Houston, she's a CPA for an oil and gas company. She left her job and came up there to, to be right by my side, you know. And um, she was there for my recovery. I came back. I got out pretty quickly in 2008. The accident happened in 2007. I got out in 2008. And I came back, and I had to be a husband, and I had to be a father, because then I got my wife pregnant. I don't know how that happened, but she got pregnant. (laughs) And so now I'm stuck with a kid and a wife, and I get shoved out of the Marine Corps fast, retired, medically retired because of my brain injury. I I just don't know how to do this. I don't know how to love. I don't know how to give the love that she's given me. I don't know how to love my kid like he loves me. You know, I'm father. I'm responsible for this, this this kid and my wife, and I just, I, I didn't know how to deal with it. You know, I didn't feel love. You know, I didn't know love. So what did I do? I just started drinking, you know, and that's the only time I felt free was when I was drinking. So I, I drank, I drank, I drank, and I went out and I fought. I got in fights and I felt free, so I drank more and I fought more. And, um, I got arrested. My wife would bail me out. Um, I cheated on my wife. She caught me in the bed with other women. 
and you know what? She she looked at me and she said, "I love you." You know, um, I don't think you ever loved me. But I, she was a believer. She was a believer. She said, "I don't think you ever loved me, but I pray that you know Jesus." And she said that prayer, and she stepped back and she let me run my course. You know, uh, she made sure our kids were fine. By then, I have two kids, and. Um, she just let me run my course, and, and she prayed for me. Her and the lead pastor, Brian Haynes, at my church, they prayed for me. They prayed for me daily, nonstop, all the time. They prayed for me. And um, I was I, mean, I was just lost. I, I was driving, taking my kids to school. I get pulled over for speeding, and then I got a warrant out for my arrest because of a fight I got into. And I had to go to the hospital, get stitched up in my arm. And I had a warrant out, so they took me to jail in front of my kids. My kids see me get arrested, you know. Then uh, 2012 was the last time I got arrested, and the last time I drank was in 2012. It was Easter weekend. Um, I was having a big old party for my birthday. I shut down the whole cul-de-sac. We had crawfish and bounce houses, and we were just partying up. But I didn't know how to stop. Everybody left, and I still wanted to party. So I kept drinking, and my Lauren was like, put down the, the drinks, let's, let's have family time. And uh, and I didn't want to have nothing to do with it, so I went crazy. I started breaking stuff, and she called my mom because my mom can calm me down like that. You know, she grabs me by my ears still to this day, and I'm just, and I calm down. But that couldn't even calm me down. So she called the cops on me, you know, which I didn't know till later on, but she, she called the cops on me, which was, which saved my life also. So I went to jail, and it was Easter day, I went to jail, and she picked me up at night, when she bailed me out, she bails me out every time, and she brought me Easter dinner, you know, I missed Easter dinner, she brought me carrot cake, I love carrot cake, she brought me carrot cake, turkey, the whole nine yards she bought it into go boxes, and I ate in the car after I got out, all stinky, and um, she just says, I love you, and she said, I've been praying for you, my family's been praying for you, and um, I said, you know what? It's, it's time to stop drinking, you know? She, she obviously loves me. I don't know what this love feels like, but it's time to stop drinking. So that was it. I, I went cold turkey. I said, I'm not drinking anymore. And uh, I stopped. And about almost a year later, her pastor came up to me, Pastor Brian. He's like, hey, you want to go to Israel? And before this, I had been to another program called Mighty Oaks Word Programs. And they taught me a little bit about Jesus. And I wanted to know more about it. So... I said, you know what, I'll go to Israel. If, if anything, I'll go for the physical condition. It's a hiking trip. His trip's a hiking trip. Shane knows all about it. And, uh, so I said, you know what, I'll go. This was in 2013. So I go to Israel. I'm not talking to anybody. All, everybody there is a Christian, and they're like, you know, trying to talk to me, and I'm all put off by them. And we get to this Mount Arabel. We're on the, the side of the Sea of Galilee, you know, and after a long hike up, I'm all worn out, and my pastor asked me to pray. And he's like, why don't you pray? He taught us how to pray while I was up there in the sermon. So I started praying, and for the first time, man, I feel love. The first time I felt love, the first time I wanted to cry. You know, I'm not a crier, but I started crying, you know. But I, the way I felt was I felt something in my body that I've never felt before, and I knew I was consumed by his grace and his love and all the grace and love that the gods were talking about I knew that was in me and uh I just felt the chills down my body and I was like you know what this is life you know this is what I want I want more of this right here so um 
about the fourth day, fifth day in, these two guys are getting baptized in the Jordan River. And I'm like, they, they get baptized, and I come up at the end before he's at, he asks if anybody else wants to get baptized. I come up, and I say, you know what? I'm not worthy of it. You know, I suck. You know, I, I do everything wrong. You know, I, I can't do right. You know, this is what's going on in my head. I'm not worthy of it. Am I worthy of being baptized? He said, no, you're not worthy of it. But neither am I. Neither is Ted. Neither is this guy. You know, Jesus died on the cross for us and our sins. You know, you know he is life. So I go in the water and um, I get baptized and I gave my life to Christ. That was in 2013. And... Um, Then I start inviting my wife to church, you know, hey, babe, why don't you come to church with me, you know, and then so God took me from the bar stools to the church pews, then he said, you know what, I'm not done with you yet, Joey, it's not that easy, you know, I'm not done with you yet, he grabbed me by the ear and he said, get on the stage, you know, and uh, so he takes me from the bar stools to the church pews to the stage, and I was walking in Israel on my second time, I went with my wife so we could experience it together. I was walking to Israel. I was like, you know what? Man, this saved my life. My mom couldn't save my life. My wife, her crying and her love couldn't save my life. But Jesus saved my life. You know, I'm, I'm not drinking. I was in jail years ago. Now I'm in Israel learning about the gospel, you know, living water and wanting to be like God. Why don't I do this for veterans? So I said, you know what? I'm going to start bringing veterans up here. God showed me the way, you know. And, um... I was uneducated. I didn't know how to start a program or this and that. So I said, you know what? I'll make a T-shirt because if you have a T-shirt, it's official, right? (laughs) So I get on the computer, and I type in T-shirts, and I get a T-shirt made that says God's Army. And um, so it was official. So God's Army came about. Then I go to my pastor. I'm like, Pastor, I'm lost. Help me. And we got T-shirts, so that's good. (laughs) So... We got T-shirts, so we're official. So he says, you know what? You're going to become a mission of the church until we get on our feet, and then you'll become a nonprofit. We'll see about getting you a nonprofit. So right now I'm a mission of the church, and we'll call God's Army. And in 2014, I brought five veterans, actually three veterans, a, w- a wife, and a wife, two wives. So total five. And um, two of those couples were baptized in Jordan River in um, this past year, in 2017, I brought five veterans. Shane had a, a chance to meet them. I brought uh, also a, a Gold Star dad. We take Gold Star dads. And what that is is a father or, or Gold Star family member. It's a father or somebody that was lost in the war, their, their father or their son. So the dad that I took was Dale Peterson. The kid that died behind me that I was in charge of, his son, his son was Dale Peterson. I got to experience God, and I got to show him God's love for us in Israel, you know. So the last time his son was alive, I, I spent with his son, you know. I was, I was there, and then now here I am in Israel hugging his dad. We're crying under a waterfall of living water and just feeling Jesus' love, you know, feeling his healing, you know. So um, that, that's how God's army came about, and, and it's just it's amazing what God's done in my life. And he can do that in anybody's life, you know. Um, but there has to be a time. That you know, you say, you know what? The time is now. You have to start somewhere, you know. And that's what I did. I said, you know what, God, I can't do it no more. You know, it's, it's I'm giving it all up to you. And I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And, and I'm not going to say that it's been easy, but you know what? I have a foundation. If I fall down, whoop, 
get right back up, you know, because I had that foundation. I'm not, there might be one or two friends I still talk to from back in the day, but I, I don't need them anymore, you know. I, even cousins and family that I don't talk to because all I used to do was drink with them and stuff. I don't talk to them no more. But I have my community now, you know. I have my brothers and sisters, you know, that, that love me and they know how to get me back on my feet. That, you know, when I'm down, they're going to pick me back up. You know, they're not going to judge me. And, and man, it's, it's a great community and, and I'm living, you know. Thank you for hearing my story. You know, I told you guys about being in, uh, in Israel on the first day. I, I was, like, throwing up all throughout the day, the pounding headache, going on the hike, and uh, on my knees, dry heaving and throwing up. And then in this wilderness, I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm shaded uh, by somebody standing beside me, shielding me from the sun. And I looked up, and it was Joey. And that whole time, just getting cool cloths and bandanas and from other people and soaking them and putting them on my neck and on my head and uh, he was such a picture to Christ to me. There were so many life-changing highlights about that trip. I could go on and on and on, which I have for the past month, gone on and on and on and on. We've had a whole series on it. I could do a few more whole series on it. But I think experiencing Christ firsthand through through Joey, uh, through others there, was entirely life-changing. And it gave me a fresh vision of our church to be Jesus to each other, uh, to be Jesus to a lost and dying world. Um, so with that, um, you know, here in a bit, when we dismiss, there's a, there's a table back there about God's army. Check into that. Support it. Follow Joey. Um, find out how you can keep in communication with him. The... Uh, the friend who sent me on this trip also sent, I believe, a couple of other vets on that trip, and their lives were changed. My roommate, uh, for, the, for the whole time, uh, was uh, a Marine vet, a helicopter pilot in Afghanistan, and struggling with a lot of the same things that Joey was struggling with, and God really used that journey to change his life as well. Um, Joey mentioned Dale's dad, Greg, who was on this trip. Seeing throughout the, the week, the week and a half or so, his heart continually soften and kind of starting from the outskirts and then being right in the midst of receiving and extending Christ's love to everybody. Just And, and, and the evident healing that took place was entirely a, a work of the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. So, so please do check out uh, the God's Army table back there and... And please do give, give Joey a hug, and let's continue to pray for Joey and his family in this, in this mission. But for now, um, I want to roll right back into Proverbs chapter 1, and then I'm going to close this out quickly. Um, Proverbs chapter 1. Um, Joey had mentioned that he was baptized in the Jordan River. Um, well, tonight, we are having many baptisms. Many of our youth are, are going to follow Jesus in baptism, and many of our adults are going to follow Jesus in baptism. It's going to be tonight at 6 p.m. at CERA. It's 3300 Brian Irvin Road. In your bulletin that you were given, uh, there, there, there's, a, there's an address there. We're going to have a cookout. We're going to have bounce houses. We're going to have water slides. There's going to be sand volleyball, uh, and, and we're going to have vision night. But the highlight of it all is going to be people following Jesus in baptism. 
Eight youth, uh, 20 kids, just a week ago, uh, received Christ. And on the final night, we said, so how many of you guys um, want to receive Jesus Christ tonight as your Lord and Savior and commit your life to following Him, first and foremost, as evidenced by baptism? And like 20 hands went up. And I thought that they were maybe... uh, misunderstood me. So I said, I I said it again more clearly, and I said, so if you want to follow Christ, if you want to get saved, follow Christ, uh, come stand right in front of me. And those same 20 kids came and stood right in front of me. And what's really awesome about it was uh, youth, I was telling one of these kids this past Wednesday, his name's Cruz, and uh, I was saying, Cruz, I mean, for the last two years, we've just been doing nothing but yelled at you for two years, you, Antonio, and Jesus, and there's something Different. I mean, in an instant, something is different. He is attentive to the things of Christ. He has a capacity for Christ. There's a hunger for Christ. We were, we were hiking, uh, and, and this week, and Cruz, he looks at a dandelion, and his whole countenance brightens, and he says, oh, wow. He says, look at that dandelion. Everything is more beautiful with God. And that's the truth. When the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ invades our soul, The dandelions are beautiful. The sky is bluer. The grass is greener. Life is, everything about life is more beautiful. And that takes us back to Proverbs. Let me back up to the invitation of wisdom. It's to everyone, everywhere. And perhaps you've been used to being side-railed, to being detracted, to being ditched, to being stalled out, to being crashed. And you think, this is my life. No, it is not. The call to wisdom is the call for everybody. It's not a call for seminary students. I think seminary is wonderful. But you can come out of seminary with a whole lot of knowledge and very little wisdom. Because wisdom is a condition of your heart, not a matter of your mind. Wisdom calls to everybody. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long, O scoffers, Will you delight in their scoffing? Now let me ask you this question. Can you ignore the call of wisdom for so long with wisdom's outstretched arms, with tears running down wisdom's face, with emotion in wisdom's voice, with passion and a broken heart? Can you ignore wisdom's call for so long that ultimately you've passed the point of no return? And will find yourself in a place of destruction and lostness. Can you? The answer to that is absolutely. Absolutely. My heart is so filled with gratefulness because I look out and I see many of you who, um, like me, have stumbled and have ignored wisdom's call and wisdom continued to cry out. And then there was a, there, there was a time of, of true repentance and then wisdom flooded our heart and, like Joey testified, changed our life and brought us up out of the pit and put us on the highway of righteousness. And I see, I look out and my heart is filled with so much grace, uh, gratefulness, Because I see fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, fellow former uh, simple ones and scoffers and fools who wisdom has continually cried out to, and you're still here. 
God has given you time after time and opportunity after opportunity, and you're here. God's grace extends, and you're here, and you've repented, and your life has changed, and you're now experiencing the fruit of love and blessing and goodness and God's graciousness over your life. You're here. God has saved you. He's been patient with you, and you're still here, and you've changed And God's patience has resulted in the fruitfulness of righteousness in your life. But over the years, I've stood over the caskets and I've officiated one funeral after the next of people who have passed the point of no return. And the fruit of their own consequences took them out of this life. Some were saved, some were not. And they did pass the point of no return. And so can we, and so can you. We read in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 24. We'll skip 23 for a moment. Proverbs 1, 24. Wisdom continues. Because I have called and you've refused to listen. I have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded. Because you've ignored all my counsel and would not, and would have none of my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when, ty- when terror strikes you. Is God laughing because he's, he's having fun? No, there is nothing fun about this verse. There is nothing fun. There's nothing lighthearted about this whatsoever. It's a mockery. It's a laughter and disbelief. That's what it is. It's a, it's a laughter and disbelief. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes on you like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. If we say no to the God of grace, then one day the God of judgment will say no to us. You say, well, how could a loving God do that? A loving God didn't do that. It's the fruit of our own doing. As we read in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, don't be deceived. God will not be mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. I recently watched a five-minute clip of a well-known comedian. I believe his name is George Carlin. Just a five-minute rant mocking God. I mean mocking God. He's not a sinner because he mocked God. He's mocking God because he's a sinner. And he delighted in the things that he should have hated for so long. Now he hates and mocks the things that he was created to love. And one day he'll be on a deathbed, wheezing like a dying animal. And he'll be looking at eternity... And he will have said no to the God of grace for so long that the God of judgment will say no to him. But it was not God's doing. It's not that he could not be saved. He would not be saved. Verse 29, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. What is the fear of the Lord? It's the beginning of wisdom. And the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And this is not a condition of the mind. It's a matter of the heart because we'll get there. How to have this heart. They would have none of my counsel and despise my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit 
of their own way and have their fill of their own devices. Remember I said we were going to skip a verse and get back to it? Wisdom cries out to everybody. But there is a time when we reach the point of no return. It's been said that in Niagara Falls, I've heard that there's sign markers. The, the river can be very calm and placid and tranquil, and it's a nice current, an easy current. But there's sign markers that if you pass the sign markers, it's the point of no return. And the rapids going over the Niagara Falls are, are, are so forceful that you can't swim back. And so it is. We can ignore God and ignore God and ignore Him and ignore Him and ignore Him to the point of no return that eventually... We receive the fruit from the seeds that we have persisted in sowing. And don't tell me that doesn't happen because I've officiated funeral after funeral of my dear friends, and that's exactly what happened. But you're here. But you're here. Which means for you, wisdom's arms are still extended and wisdom is still crying and wisdom is still saying, I will flood your soul and I will change your heart. Because again, wisdom is not a matter of the mind, it's a condition of the heart that eventually transforms our mind. But it's a condition of the heart. When God changes our heart, when the Holy Spirit invades our heart, and instead of, instead of loving the things that God called us to hate and, and indulging the things that we should run from and hating and scoffing the things that we were designed to worship, when Jesus floods our soul, our desires change so that we begin to fear and hate the things that God has called us to shun and we begin to seek and delight ourselves in the things that God has called us to indulge and that is living water, the living water of Jesus Christ, the only thing that can quench our thirsty souls. How do we have this change of heart? How do we have this change of heart? We read in verse 23. Proverbs 1, verse 23. If you turn at my reproof, and that word turn means wisdom, means means repent. Repentance simply means turn. It's It's a change of your mind. If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you and make my words known to you. We read in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26 and 27, that this is what happens when we turn. And we were were living our way, but we turn and we say, Jesus, I commit my life to you. Like Joey testified, can can I get down in those waters and be baptized? I, I don't feel like I'm good enough. And then Pastor Brian said, absolutely, you're not good enough. None of us are good enough. If any of us were good enough, there would be no point for Jesus to pay for our sins on the cross. None of us are good enough. Therefore, Jesus went to the cross. Reggie, do you have a picture of the cross that Joey might have given you? None of us are good enough, which is why Jesus had to pay for our sins on the cross. 
If you turn at my reproof, watch this. Behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. We read in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26 and 27. At that moment that we turn to Christ and we trust in his work for us, his payment for our sins on the cross, at that moment, Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27 says, I will remove from you a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will pour my spirit within you. Did you hear this? It looks just like Proverbs 1.23. Behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. This is what happens the moment we repent and turn to Christ. I will pour my spirit within you and cause you to follow my ways. In other words, he will give us a new set of desires, a desire to follow Christ, a desire for righteousness. Last night when I was driving back from Beaumont, and I was really just thinking through and praying through and wrestling through Proverbs chapter 1, and I'm on a highway and I'm going 80 miles an hour, and in my peripheral vision on the side around the Houston area, on the side here and on the side there, there are these, there are these um, stores that draw, are drawing attention uh, to their real estate by, with neon lights. And I can promise you there's nothing holy going on in those places. All different kinds of places appealing to all different kinds of temptations, promising all different kinds of quick fixes. And I'm on the highway and I'm going 80 miles an hour and I see these neon lights and I see these neon lights and I think to myself, this is, this is the contrast of wisdom and foolishness and the path of wisdom, the highway of righteousness. There's life and there's momentum and there's blessings, but when we get sidetracked and we exit, there's pain and there's sorrow and there's consequences and there's death to face. There's judgment to answer to, incredible consequences to pay. And you're like, well, I've I've been ditched for a long time, and I'm still here, and I'm still persisting in my foolishness, my scoffing, or my simplicity. For now. For now. But remember Niagara Falls... There's a point of no return. And if you're here, it's by God's grace because He's giving you another opportunity to repent and ask the Holy Spirit to flood your heart and change your heart. And that's the only way that you can change. The Holy Spirit has to flood your heart and change your heart. And this can only happen when we turn from our self-ruled life and we turn to Jesus Christ and we pray for Him to take the reins and we trust in His work on the cross as payment for our sins. If you're here, then God is giving you another chance. His arms are open wide and He's saying, come to me. I am crying out to you. I want to flood your soul with wisdom and give you a desire to stay on the highway of righteousness. Would you stand with me, please? Michael, you guys can come on up. Proverbs, I can't wait to get into this series with you guys. Just let me ask you this. Which description of what we read more character more closely characterizes your life? A simpleton? A scoffer? 
a fool? Or do you have a heart of wisdom? Would you bow your heads with me, please? You know, if you think, if you think, I think I'm here on purpose. I think I'm here by divine appointment because I believe that God has, has, has extended continual grace in my life and, and he continues to offer me chance after chance after chance. And he hasn't allowed me to, to self-destruct or, or he hasn't taken me out. Maybe my life has fallen apart, but yet here I am. I have another opportunity by his love and mercy and grace to turn to him so that his spirit can flood my heart and change my heart. I believe I'm here to repent and receive a new heart. If that's you, would you raise your hand high? I would like to pray for you. Okay. Okay. So... Many hands raised, and it's really important to me that we don't just do church, that we, that we really engage and we really experience this. So when we begin to worship, if you raised your hand, I just want to invite you to literally, here's a stage, and we're going like, to act like this is an altar, and kneel, and you pray, oh Jesus, flood my heart by your Holy Spirit, and change my heart, and maybe you didn't raise your hand, but... I want to encourage you to still come down and pray. God, thank you for giving me so much grace when I've persisted in my simplicity. Thank you for giving me so much patience when I've persisted in mocking. Thank you, Lord, for continuing to cry out to me to come unto you when I have been a fool because you continue to offer me wisdom. And I'm going to turn from my self-world life and I'm going to turn to you, Jesus Christ, and ask your spirit to invade my soul. But is there anybody else? Maybe you didn't raise your hand a second ago. I just want to pray for you. Raise your hand high. You're going to give a full repentance and ask the Spirit to invade your soul. Anybody else? Raise your hand. Okay. Father, you saw those hands. We pray in Jesus' name that today would be transformational. And everybody would leave here with a new heart, a heart of wisdom, a heart that loves the highway of righteousness, a heart that loathes the detours and the ditches a heart that clings to your word, and a heart that obeys promptly your word, because that is life to our soul. That is living water. And everybody pray out loud in an audible voice to encourage the person next to you to perhaps be saved and born again for the first time. Jesus, I know that I've sinned, but thank you for paying for my sins to cleanse me of my sins. Jesus, come into my life. I surrender my life to you. Take over. Be my Lord. And I trust you to be my Savior. Now help me to grow in this new and eternal life. All right. I want to invite you guys to come forward and pray for a heart of wisdom. So the altars are open.